Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hopefully we can talk about some serious issues and be in a calm, respectful manner. There's so many things going on in our world today. There's so many things that we can look at and say, I'm confused. And confused people act confused. And the only way to solve the confusion problem is to find the truth and to live according to the truth. Otherwise, we're going to have a nation of people that continually live in a confused manner. A lot of the confusion, I think, comes from the redefining of terms that we really shouldn't be redefining. The redefining of the term family. The redefining of the term male or female. The redefining of the term baby to fetus and trying to figure out how we can minimize the idea of murdering babies inside the mother's womb. All of the redefinition that takes place will lead to confusion, I promise you. And that's one of the things that you can recognize about the redefinition process. If somebody tries to redefine something that brings confusion, if it's not simple, it's really not from God. For example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty simple to understand. In one way, I guess it's simple to understand, but if you're trying to understand how he created the heavens and the earth, that's beyond your comprehension. But it's simple, and it's plain, and it's to the point. Now, you put that in the hand of somebody who wants to make it complicated and redefine everything, and before you know it, your head is spinning trying to figure out how a frog evolved from, you know, a fish or something, uh, or how we evolved from an ape. And, and now you've confused people in a way that they're going to act confused the rest of their life. And the conclusion, if they want to conclude a confusing conclusion, they live a confused life, if that makes sense. Likewise with gender. There are so many children growing up today, and we need to simplify it. Today, having a conversation with somebody can drive you absolutely crazy. A mother recently told me that in a college setting, every time somebody got up to talk, they had to go through what pronouns they actually would accept and be used for them. And I thought, that is crazy. So every conversation, before you start talking, somebody has to go through a list of pronouns that you can use for them so you can properly show respect for them. See, God didn't make it that complicated. He made it so that there's male and female and that they're actually different. And I'm not sure, but when I talk to young people and I explain to them that there's a deliberate difference between male and female, and I don't go into the details, obviously, just as general as I was just there, they have a sigh of relief that somebody older is saying, no, God made males and he made females and he made them different. And he made us to be different. Males were not made to have babies. Females were made to have babies. And and the bodies are different. And, and sometimes the thought processes, the, the hormones are different. Um, ideas are different. 
The looks are different. The strength is different. See, it's different. It's not better or worse. It's different. And yet in our culture, we define things as better or worse if they're different. So we try and be all the same. Being all the same is, is not really what anyone wants anyway. They want to be better than somebody else. So we need to be very careful as we look at the world around us to realize that whenever somebody tries to confuse us, that's not of God. God is a God of order, and it makes sense. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we're told on day one, day two, all the way to day six, we're told how he created man, took, took dirt and clay from the ground and formed man and breathed into him life. And really, one day when I leave this planet, this human body of mine will go back to clay. That's how that works. So when we start looking at how God created us, when we start looking at what God does in life, it's simple. Now, again, how God can create something out of clay and breathe life into it, that's the complicated part. But that's not the part we need to understand. The part we need to understand is that God spoke and created, that God breathed into this pile of dirt and it became living. The idea of how that all happened and how he put the liver where it is and, the, and all that kind of stuff, th these things didn't evolve that way. They didn't all of a sudden, because of a need, start moving around and becoming what they should be. They were created that way on purpose. Once again, I love taking anything in my hand, like a pen, and looking at it and realizing that it did have a maker and it does have a purpose and there's a right way to use it. And all I am is talking about a pen. And it simplifies things. If you were to tell me that pen can be used for anything, it can be used to pay for milk at Walmart. It can be used for your retirement savings. It could be used as a paddle on a canoe. It could be used for a dart in a dartboard. It could be used... now. When I look at that, I think, wait a minute. No, you're redefining what it is. A pen is designed by somebody to have a very specific purpose, and it also is something I can use for that purpose. But if I use it outside that purpose, which I could, you would actually look at me and say, I think you're silly. See, it wouldn't be that you admire me for being so creative in how I use a pen. It would be, that's not how a pen was created. So when I look at that and I think, if you would think I was silly for using a pen outside the context of the way it's created, why am I wrong for thinking somebody's silly for changing their pronouns or thinking they're a cat or whatever else it might be? You see, I think we need to get back to the truth and the simple truth and stop with all the confusion, because if we continue on this road to confusion, we will have people with all kinds of mental illnesses that come from confusion, and you cannot solve those because you're not solving the confusion. And the confusion is very simply because we're not listening to God. In the beginning, God, all of us need to live in that context. In the beginning, it never said in the beginning, Dave, it said in the beginning, God, and I need to live in that context and I won't be confused. So then I get to read the Bible and I get to see what God says throughout the Bible on everything. And as I read it, I can understand how I am created, how I fit into the world, why he made cranberries that I like picking out in the cranberry bogs and 
all the different things I get to rest in because of the fact that my Heavenly Father is the creator and sustainer of all things. Now, having that understood allows me peace of mind. I don't have to be anxious about anything, but in everything I can pray and I can give it to God and I can release that anxiousness because God is a God of order. Satan is not. Satan is a confusing being and he loves to have us confused. One of the areas I think that he loves to confuse is the area of family. I like to redefine it so that people don't know what family really is and they have to accept anything as a family when that's not acceptable. So when two men say they want to get married and have a family, that isn't even physically possible. And it's silly in my sight. And if I am trying to justify something that cannot happen and is silly or has to have all kinds of medical treatments to make it happen, see, that's the problem. We need to simplify it again. It's interesting how people think that those that are Christians just go to the Bible and figure it out. And, and yes, that's where we always start because the Bible is God's word. It's infallible and that's where we go. But when I look at somebody trying to tell me that a male can have a baby, I, I look at them and say, no, that's not possible. And they say it's possible. It's possible if you rewire everything and change everything about that person and do some really strange things. Maybe, maybe, possibly. But even then, that's not normal. Oh, how dare you? Who, who establishes normal? Well, you're right. If you want to play with the word normal, if it's normal to ignore God in a society, it certainly it certainly was in Sodom and Gomorrah normal to ignore God. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about a culture that's normal to ignore God and what will happen to it. So you can read those and you can understand what normalcy does to somebody if it's a, abandoning God. I'm not talking about normal. I'm talking about what's right. And what's right is to understand that God knit us together in our mother's womb. And that's another reason why we don't support abortion in any way, shape, or form. Once again, think about how things got redefined. Think about how abortion gets redefined. We don't want to call the baby a baby. We want to make abortion about health care. Whenever I hear somebody talk about abortion as health care, I think, whose health? You're taking a live person and killing it. It's not health care when you kill a live person. It's not health care. What it is is murder. Oh, we can't call it murder because a doctor does it and a doctor's licensed. When you just take a baby out of a mother's womb and kill it because it's inconvenient, that's murder. There's no other way around it. You can define it any way you want to define it. It's still murder. Yeah, but that's not, okay, what we're messing with again is the definition of murder. And what happens in a culture that is spiraling downward is that they keep changing the definitions into something that's so complicated that you never know what they're talking about. So when somebody says they're pregnant, you don't even know what they mean by that because is it a baby? Is it a fetus? Is it something that is your choice? Healthcare. What is healthcare? Is it killing old people that, are, that, that can't contribute to society anymore? Is that health care? 
Is it killing babies and wombs? Is that considered health care? See, when you don't know what health care is anymore, I would think that health care, oh, is health care. You take care of health. You try and make people healthy. It's not that you're in there trying to kill people. You say, well, some of these moms, you know, it's for their mental health. Yeah, you know, you're trying to solve a mental health problem by causing more confusion. That isn't how it works. Not in life, not anywhere. You can't cause more confusion and call it something good. So what, what we have to do is go back to the simple definition. Here's what the Bible teaches. That God made male and female and he made them different. And he made them so that one day they could become one. Physically, emotionally, and in every way. And, and the way that happens is that they commit to each other for the rest of their life. They, they commit. They don't use each other. They commit to each other. And when they commit to each other, the sexual part, the physical part of the, the marriage is something that is going to happen, and it's going to happen naturally. They are also going to be committed to each other, so they've established a relationship that's going to be committed throughout life, and they establish a place where a baby could come into that home or into that family and have some stability. See, that all is pretty simple. And, and if people were committed to each other and they were committed to God and they were committed to keeping themselves sexually pure while they were unmarried, boy, the orphans and the foster care system wouldn't be near what it is today. You see, the reason we are talking about some of the things we talk about is because we don't listen to God in the first place. There really should never be an unwanted baby. Because in the process of committing to one another and establishing places where babies can come into a home, it should be something that people are very, very excited about. In the case of abortion in that context, I can understand how it might be health care. There might be times where a doctor meets with a mom and says, we have some problems here. The, the child that's developing, we can see doesn't have a brain or, or there's another issue there that, that really has some decisions that if this child goes to full term that um, the mother will die in the process or whatever it might be. Now, talking through the baby and talking through the idea of birth certainly could be considered health care. But abortion is not health care. It's taking a life. Unless it's in the context of somebody who's talking about life that is already gone or some dangers or something else that might take place. You say you just complicated it. Now, we've complicated it by our equipment that we have in life. I mean, if we're going to have ultrasound machines and other things that we can see things with, then it's going to come with a slew of decisions that we have to make as well. When The more information that any culture has, the more confusing it can get because we're looking at things we've never looked at before and we don't know what they are. And then when we figure them out, we figure out new ways to look at things. I mean, when my wife had cancer, we thought about what we should do, and there's all kinds of treatments, and there's all kinds of advice, and there's people that do it naturally. There's people who do it with all the medicines that are available, and ultimately, we were praying about how do we take care of this issue, but ultimately, we trusted God. We chose not to go the chemotherapy route. We just chose to do radiation, and we chose to 
do some surgery and some other things to help correct the problem. So that those decisions were based on what we thought was right, but our trust was never in the doctors or the medicine. The trust was in God. That made it somewhat simple. See, I think that God sees our heart and he honors the fact that we love him. I've often said that my heart is what needs to be right. I need to be loving God and wanting to love him and walk with him and be with him. I want to honor him, and I'm not sure I always do that, but I think that if my heart is right, that God would honor that. It'd be like a child who wanted to wash the car. He's watched watched you watch the car over and over and over again. He wanted to clean your car. And so you tell him, sure, there's a, there's a bucket over there, and you can get soap you know, from your mom or whatever, and I'll come out when it's all done and take a look at it. You go wash it up good. And, and so the child begins to just bubble with the fact that they could do something for their dad and mom and take care of the car. But they also saw, and they didn't tell you about it, that when you clean pots and pans and they're metal and you get them real clean, you use a SOS pad or a steel wool pad. So your child doesn't tell you, but they go get a steel wool pad, and they put it in the bucket, and they clean the whole car with a steel wool pad. And you come out and look at it after they're done, and you see the scratches all over the car. Now, you have a dilemma in a way. You had a child who just wanted to please you, but they didn't know how to please you. They actually thought they were going to do something that would make you happy. Their whole goal was to do something to show how much they cared for you, and they made a mistake. Now, if you're a a wise parent, you thank them for washing the car. And in time, you teach them how to do that appropriately. And it's a lesson that was very expensive for you to learn. It'd be an expensive lesson for them to learn, too. But see, a wise parent went beyond the fact that the car got scratched and saw the heart of the child. Now, my first response might be, oh, no, are you kidding? And then all of a sudden you destroy the child and you're being upset about it. So I said the wise parent thinks for a moment. There are a lot of things that a child can do that they really are innocent on because their heart is right and they just didn't know any better. I think there are times where I come to God and I'm that child with the SOS pad or the steel wool pad in my hand cleaning the car and saying, God, I'm doing this because I love you. And I I think there have been many times where God has said, okay, um, Thanks, but let's do it a different way next time, and he knows how to do that just right. See, the key in life isn't doing everything right. The key in life is living to honor God and to know him and to do what's right. And to know that God can fix anything I mess up. He can take care of the things that I have not taken care of. And that's important to understand. We shouldn't redefine things, though. A child who would only do things properly 100% of the time in order to gain love is not a healthy child because they need to have the freedom to fail 
And, and we need to give them the freedom to fail. Well, I was reading a survey recently about the family. It's, a, it's from the Pew Research, and it basically was September 14th, 2023. It says, public has mixed views on the modern American family. It's by Kim Parker and Rachel Minkin. And the subtitle says, more are pessimistic than optimistic about the future of the family. Relatively few see marriage and parenthood as a central to a fulfilling life. The family has become secondary. That's not the way it should be. Families are the basic unit of life that God's given to us. A family unit is the basis for all the good things in this world. And Satan would love to destroy the family. Now, you can do research on what it's like to live in a single-parent house. And the single parents could be upset if I mention that and say, well, I'm doing the best I can and my child could be healthy. And yes, again, you do what you need to do and God could meet the inadequacies that are there. I understand that. But the best arrangement for life is to have a mom and a dad, a male and female, mom and dad dedicated to each other and who love God and walk with God and they are dedicated to each other and their family to doing what's right. It's mom and dad who are in charge of the education, not the school. It's mom and dad who are in charge of demonstrating what it looks like to walk with God, not the pastor. It is mom and dad who take the responsibility for the children. In a healthy home, the family is the standard unit that God uses to pass on the truth from one generation to another. 26% of our population thinks optimistically about the family in the future. Just 26%. 40% are pessimistic. And that leaves 29% saying, I really don't know. Actually, a little more than that, so some didn't answer it. But 29% saying, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the family. So when you combine that, that's 69% of the people that were surveyed saying, I am pessimistic about the family or I just don't really know. The basic unit that God has throughout the Bible, and almost 70% of our people are confused by it. It doesn't need to be confusing. As a husband, I need to be dedicated to my family. I need to be committed to my wife. Until the day we die, I need to be treating her like Christ treats the church. I need to be caring, nurturing. I need to be praying. I need to be participating. It's not about my job. It's not about money. When I hear people talk about, yeah, well, I'm I'm a lousy dad because I have to make money and take care of, you know, that's being responsible. I think you could be poorer and enjoy your family more. You don't have to go on those expensive trips, and you don't have to go. see if we have other criterion that are in our life, we're going to mess it up. But to look at our nation and have seventy percent of the people confused about what the family really is. No wonder the family keeps getting torn apart. No wonder there's so much divorce and divorce courts and the different things that have to happen in there. 
As I read from the article, it says public views of the family are complicated. Americans are more pessimistic than optimistic about the institution of marriage and family. And there's no consensus on how some of the broad trends that are dividing family change will impact the country in the future. In other words, there's confusion on the family. Majorities say fewer people marrying these days and more couples living together without being married won't have a positive or negative effect. I think they're wrong. I think those who are not committed to each other in the bond of marriage are going to find out that they should have been. There's baseline support for a variety of family arrangements, but public still favors some types of families over others. Families that include a married husband and wife raising children are seen as the most acceptable. Well, that's why they're confused, because the media and everyone else is portraying family as everything else other than that. But that's exactly what God portrays families as, and we should listen to what God says. The article says, at the same time, relatively few Americans say marriage and parenthood are central to living a fulfilling life. Most people don't think the family is really a part of a fulfilling life. But God made the family central. Adam, there was no adequate partner for him. Eve needed to be created. The article goes on to say, overall, 40% of Americans say, in thinking about the future of the country, they are very or somewhat pessimistic about marriage and family. Only 25% are very optimistic. Well, that's what we read, and that's really where the American is. Many Americans are accepting of the range of different family arrangements. Here's where the confusion comes in, because so many are starting to say, well, that could be a family, and that could be a family. Most say that the opposite-sex couple raising, whether married or not, is an acceptable arrangement. Well, that's nice. And majorities say about the same with single parents or gay or lesbian couples with or without children. There are differences in the degree of acceptance, however. Nine in ten adults say a husband and wife raising children together is completely acceptable. In contrast, 60% say a single parent raising a child on their own is completely acceptable. And fewer than 47% say that a the same about a married, gay, or lesbian couple. And I'm surprised that it's even around 47%. Because I think you could look at uh, research and realize that the female and the male contribute both to a healthy child. And the way that they operate and the way that they think and the differences are good. And they should be there. And God meant those differences to be within a family. You see, it really is about living the way that God intended us to live. One of the sad things that I saw in this article was that people actually thought that being fulfilled at work is more important than being fulfilled in a family. It says, Americans most often point to job satisfaction and close friends rather than being married or having children when asked what factors contribute to a fulfilling life. Some 71% say having a job or career they enjoy is extremely important or very important for people to live in a fulfilling life. 61% say having close friends. Only about a quarter say being married or having children is important to a fulfilling life. Now, I do understand that you might be single. And you could be fulfilled as a single person. That's obvious throughout the scripture, and that isn't what this program is about. But the bottom line really is, 
life is not about productivity on the factory floor. Life is not about my career and how fulfilled I am in my career. It's about how fulfilled I am with God and the people around me. And in the process, I'll have a career. Decisions need to be made that have relationships in mind, not just money in mind. Because it's not really about the money. It's about the relationships. And you'll get paid something no matter what career you're in. But every career you go into, you should be looking at the people relationally in that career. To show them who God is. To show them that God loves. To show them what one of his children look like who live in the context of his love. Satan's trying to redefine things. I want to encourage you to go to the Bible and define things the way God does so you can stay healthy. I'm Dave Wager. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute here in northern Wisconsin. I do thank you for listening. Good night for now. Thank you.